Welcome to the Butter Chicken Podcast, hosted by DJ Sharad and DJ Juicy. Ooh. We focus on the stories of individuals who are making great impact in society and culture. The Butter Chicken Experience is well-cooked, thought-provoking conversation. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the vibes. You got the culture? Yes, 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 party people, New York City and worldwide. It's your boy, DJ Sherrod. And DJ Juicy. My man, Juicy. What up, Sherrod? Yo, what's cracking, my G? Chilling, bro. How you feeling? I'm feeling great, bro. Yo, season two, we are in full effect. We out here working, bro, creating great content. Are man. you Are you enjoying yourself in this butter chicken podcast? I, I love it, bro. I love it. Shout out to everybody who tunes in worldwide, iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, every platform possible, especially our friends out in India now. We're picked up by Hub Hopper. Shout out to Hub Hopper up in India. Big, big shout out to Hub Hopper. They're rocking with us. Hey, man, I love that, bro. They're love rocking the with Appreciate us, man. The support. So we, we're on this global mission over here trying to tell the stories of people making impact in culture and society, man. Hey. Hey. We're doing pretty good. Not pretty, bad. pretty good. <laughs> so, Juice. Talk to me. I had a little discussion today, man. And? You know, uh, season one, we had a lot of artists come through, music artists. Yes. Season two, we try to, you know, I got I got some feedback from people, and they're like, yo, you guys are DJs. We know you know all the artists, but you got to bring some other people, too, besides artists. You got to bring some people from other spaces. So this season's a little more diverse. Got to switch it up, man. Yeah, we got people, a, a lot from the journalism space, and I've been learning a lot. Have you? Me too, man. Uh, like, a, now that we're journalists. <laughs> are we journalists? <laughs> I think so. Uh, it's important to get... Because the uh, journalists say we're not journalists. Yeah, actually, no. That's not true. Well... One of one of our guests yeah, give, give us a cosign. Uh, but again, if a journalist got Serato, are they a DJ? If they could mix. Facts. <laughs> so, with that, what we are and what I am and what I, what I remain true to is being a DJ. Me too. That is my first and foremost thing that I do is I play records... I play music, I play parties, and I have a great time being the first person to play certain records and certain artists. I just have something about me from back in the day to now. Like I like being the dude that when an artist really pops off because his music is good, I like being the guy that said, yo, I played that shit first. And it's also nice being different too, right? Not thinking outside the box and not just sticking to the regular scheduled program. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I had a discussion with our man, uh, Jay Varma. Okay. Who's our guy. Yep. <laughs> My son. Sometimes he's a little <laughs> funny. He's your son, okay? <laughs> so Jay, you know, we were having a discussion the other day. Okay. And he said to me, he's like, yo, yo, uh, you know, uh, who's better, this DJ or that DJ? And I said, this DJ. And he said, well, well, why? Mm-hmm. And it was, it was him uh, asking me, and he thought I was going to say the other DJ, and I said, "No, well, this DJ is better because he's got this skill, this skill, and this skill." Mm-hmm. He's like, well, "I don't want to, I don't want to blow up no names because that's not what we're about." Right. But he said, "But the other DJ can scratch really well." Right. And I said to him, "Yo, if it's all about scratching, like that's just one component of DJing. But DJing is mastering your music and knowing your music. And to me, that DJ still needs some help." in that particular space, but eventually he'll get there if he keeps up on the grind. Right. I agree with that. So then we got into discussion, and he's like, yo, you know, Juicy's a dope-ass DJ. 
Okay. I was like, yeah, he's dope, but I'm better. <laughs> Here we go. And I firmly believe that you're a great DJ. I firmly believe that you're a great DJ. But then I called you. Yeah. And I said, yo, Juicy, who's a better DJ, me or you? And I said me. And you said you. Yeah. And I said me. Right. And there's no debate in, in my factual opinion. <laughs> Your factual opinion. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you say that accidentally on purpose? Huh? <laughs> did you say that accidentally on purpose? Wow. Your factual opinion? I mean, I said it purposefully on accident. <laughs> I mean, look, you're you're entitled to your own opinion, and look, as am I, right? Look, so I firmly believe I'm a better DJ for various reasons. Okay. Do you want to dive into those reasons, or we can? It's I mean, if you want to. Uh, we we we'll be here all night. Then. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? In in. in if we put that to the side, I, I genuinely believe you're a fantastic DJ. And I feel the same because I learned a lot. You believe you're a fantastic <laughs> DJ? No, well, I, well, I believe the same about you. Is what I should have finished my sentence. Oh, so you believe I'm fantastic? Yeah, absolutely. Good. Bro. So I'm just two fantastic individuals. And I do also believe that you're a fantastic journalist. And, same and a you. great, great interviewer. Great. Thanks, man. Um, one thing I wanted to point out in DJing and what we do is that mad artists throughout the years have popped off. Um, you know, we've seen so many artists pop off and then we've seen so many artists stay local. Mm-hmm. I put something on my Instagram a few days ago and I wrote, yo, on this particular mixtape in 2006, I put um, this artist, this artist, this artist on my tape when no one really knew him before they had deals. People knew him, but no one really in the U.S. knew him to the level that they know him now. One was Jay Sean okay. before he got his cash money deal. Mm-hmm. One was Raghav, like right when he was like, Pop, about to pop in the United States. One was producer Rishi Rich. Uh, RDB was on that list. These are South Asian artists that are now global, right? That, right. Are, that are mega, that have millions of spins, millions of plays, fan bases galore. And I take pride in the fact that I played their records way, way early. Do you think that um, that artists reciprocate that sometimes, love? Sometimes. Sometimes. And sometimes like artists just don't see the value of a DJ and it is what it is. I mean, what do you think? I agree. I think it's it's uh I think it's not often enough. I think that uh what people kind of miss and um you know, this is a discussion that could go on for some time, but um ultimately the DJ's the person that's going to play it for the masses. Whether it's through a mixtape, whether it's at a party, and if there's no support for the DJ, you know what incentive then does the DJ have to play the artist's record? Now that that could be petty. Some people can look at that as being petty. Well, if or, there's anyone that's petty, you know I'm Tom <laughs> Petty. I'm the Indian but, Tom Petty. But also, you could you know, despite uh, the circumstances, you could just be the bigger person and just support whether it's something that you hundred percent. You know what I'm saying? hundred. Like, I support good music whether the artist supports me or not. Right. I'm here's, the same way. Here's the reality. Right. We come from the era of. DJ Clue mixtapes, Kid Capri mixtapes, and where mixtapes and radio DJs were breaking records. That right. was the thing. That right. was the only way. Right. Now, it's if a, a DJ has a record and he's playing a little club for 200 people, that artist could put some of that energy into the internet and all of a sudden get a million Spotify plays with almost the same energy as chasing 10 DJs and begging the DJ to play their record. So in defense of the artist, because I look at everyone's perspective, mm-hmm. and the artists have only so much time and only so much resources in a day. So if at the end of the day, an artist is going to have the ability to go up to like a media platform like a complex and do an interview that's going to get a million views or 
go to you know this so and so internet radio station that gets 500 listeners that artist got to pick and if a dj gets offended by the fact that an artist doesn't support him then the dj needs to understand that artist has a team or that artist has to make their own decision so i never hold it against the artist no i don't i don't think you should hold it against her. i just think that you should never limit your reach i think that uh whether you're reaching a million people or whether you're reaching a thousand people you're still reaching them right and oh, you, 100% so 100% but like I said with time in the day you know the artists got to make their own decisions um one artist who we've seen do a lot uh and kind of have this like non-stop grind this sort of like really resilient attitude uh no matter what the circumstance and work every platform to the best of his ability despite the fact that the support might not be there from the mass is someone that we have in studio today. And I want to welcome him. Uh, I want to give him uh, his, his due respect and, uh, you know, shine some light on his story and let him tell us who he is. That artist is Raja, uh, known on Instagram as Raja. Is it Raja for life? Raja for life. Because right. the life is like a long life. Like it's L-I-F. And there's a couple Just like of my career going to stay. <laughs> life. Cool. You sound a little tired, Raja. Have you had a long day? A long day. So before we really, really dive into it, Raja has been uh, literally coming to me with his music for three, four years now. Mm -hmm. Came to me with a record that he did with Fabulous called Mannequin. Mm -hmm. uh, the record didn't do the numbers he wanted it to do, and we're going to get into it. Then 2016, I vividly remember he came to me with a record called Hangover. I thought it was a good record. Mm -hmm. I thought the beat was amazing. The content of the record was good. Incredible. But again, the record never went crossover mm -hmm. uh, to the point where maybe he would have liked it to. I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, and now he's come to me. I think I was one of the first people with the record before Tory Lanez was on it. And that record is called Island Gal. Big tune. Big tune. Right? It, to me, it's a big tune. A tune. Um, and he came to me with that record maybe October last year, October 2017 to be exact, maybe even September, I'm not even sure. Mm -hmm. Tory Lanez was not on the record. The record was just Raja on the record. Mm -hmm. I had the record, probably an unmixed, unmastered version. And I I, I told him like, yo, if you're going to go, I don't know if you remember this, Raja. Yeah, you said if you're going to go. I said if you're going to go, gonna go and one. if you're going to go put money into something and if you're gonna if you're going to spend it, now's your time. Right. Because of everything you've given me, this has the most potential, mm. but you, you got it. You, you got had it. it a week. You had it four days after I did it. And thank you. You for always that. have everything first. Always. I appreciate that. Why is that? Why do you? Why do you like? Why do you? And it's. I know it's. I'm not even talking me. I'm talking like you're one guy that I've noticed that really works the DJ angle when a lot of artists like just skip that angle now. Um. Without the DJ, there's no party. Without the DJ, there's only lights and a bunch of people standing around. <sighs> Looking like jackasses. <laughs> <laughs> Serious. <laughs> so if you don't pay respect to the DJ, it's like paying respect to a teacher. How is a teacher supposed to teach you and the rest of the class if you ain't got respect for the teacher? So I really look at it as there's no music without a DJ. So if I don't show respect to the DJ... And there's no reason the DJ should be playing my record at wow. all, at all. I don't deserve spins from that DJ if I don't respect that DJ or I don't like their 
you know, their movement or support them or ever even go see them. Just, you know, just to shake their hand. Like, I learned in this industry, you got to pay homage and you got to pay dues before anybody's going to say, yes, I'll do that for you. Yes, I'll do that for you. You got to pay dues. And, you know, you guys know me even before the music, my family and my sister. It's like I also did it out of respect also because you guys are both Indian and the hottest time for any South Asian or Middle Eastern artist to pop is right now. Like every label wants a Middle Eastern artist. I've been to every single record label. I've sat with every label. I have offers from every single label. Um, and they said that Asian kids and Indian kids are the next big thing. So I want not only Indian artists to grow and be big, but I want Indian DJs to be big. Like, I want, in layman's terms, I would say, Sherrod, you're probably the funk flex of Indian community. And and it's... And I it's, don't know if that's a disorder. <laughs> no, no, no. Shots no. to flex, though. I love flex. No, I mean, no, I'm saying like... On the record, I'm I love I'm saying flex. like an Indian community because throughout the Northeast and also when I go to these urban events, they mention DJ USA. They don't mention... We're not going to mention no other names on our platform. <laughs> but before you go further, yeah. me and Juicy have had a debate before you got here. Who's better, me or Juicy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Juicy is pretty nice. <laughs> it's like saying... What you saying, bro? It's like, We're asking you a question. It's like LeBron it's like Jordan, Jordan and bro. LeBron. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know one got better sneakers, <laughs> but one got... One got... You know, I'm not gonna put you on that. Don't worry, don't worry. I would say, I would say, you taught him what he knows. Facts. A little bit, not everything. So then you're the better DJ, not because of talent, because a DJ who learns all what they learned and what they got from another DJ will never, will always be under that DJ. I feel like. So Jay Z, Kanye. Jay Z. I'm I'm a big Kanye fan, you know that. But Jay-Z taught Kanye a lot. Damon Dash taught Jay-Z a lot. Okay, so businessman, Damon Dash, Jay-Z. Damon Dash. Jay-Z's worth more money. Doesn't matter, he made bosses. You can make money all day. I can sell crack on the street all day. But I, it's hard to make bosses. Interesting. He made Jay-Z a boss. He made Cameron a boss. He made Kanye a boss. These are all bosses. These are corporate owners. Interesting. Like Selling out like where this is going. Interesting perspective. I really like where this no, is no, going. No, no, I do my homework. So, so, so the, the goal wasn't, wasn't to find out who's a better... Obviously, Juicy will always believe he's a better DJ, and I believe I'm a better DJ, but just we'll never have this discussion again. I think part <laughs> but of... But you guys are both fantastic DJs. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> but you gave him a check to DJ your wedding, just to be clear. I mean, he killed it. <laughs> I mean, to have, to have people... Like Staten Island people are some of the most racist people I've ever met. Yeah, I'm married to an Italian girl from America. Yo, they, they are yo, very. Roger, you're gonna go left a million times in this interview. <laughs> no, no, hold on, hold on, hold on, So for you to get Indian people and Italian people on the same stage, on the same dance floor, dancing to both different culture music, that's very impressive to me. Thank Facts. you. That was a fun party, man. <laughs> it was. Good. Yeah, Thank I'm you for having me. So, yeah. so people that don't know our history, like. 
you know, we're not just industry people that like know you. Uh, we obviously know your cousins. We know your family. You were a little younger, so I didn't know you that much growing up, but I knew your sister. So when we see you do music, you know, I've even talked to like people in the community, and I've been like, "Yo, so what you think about Roger's music?" And they've been like, "Ah, oh, nah, I don't really, I don't really know his records. Like, I don't know his music." Have you, have you felt that too? That some people in the community, who you would expect to be like, "Yeah, that motherfucker should be supporting me." Or knowing my songs, then doesn't even support me. Island Gal changed everything. Let's talk about Island Gal then. Magic Mike calls me, and goes, "Bro, you gotta go with this record. This okay. is the biggest record you've ever sent me." And Magic Mike is someone that, like you guys all know, is yeah, used to work tri- with Mike. Triple OG, used yeah, to pay me fifty dollars a party. Very good guy though. Yeah, um, good dude. Uh, <laughs> no, he is. He's a good dude. He's um, OG, bro. Like he's the he's he the did what you said. He he said. He said, if you're going to go with a record, this is the one to go with. He's never called me about another record, any, any, any other record I ever sent him. Okay. So Island Gal is the record you have out now. But the first DJ to co-sign Island Gal is DJ Sherrod. The first DJ to have the record was DJ Sherrod. Yes, sir. I even have the stems. And I don't send that out. One day I will do a remix, <laughs> I promise yeah. you. We'll yeah. get to that. That will be off record. But so... To get to Island Gal, I just one of the things we do at Butter Chicken is we we like to tell the whole story, okay. and we like to tell the listener the shit that they might not get anywhere else. And the reality is, is like no matter where you come from, you could relate if you're in music. Right. And it wasn't easy to get to the point where you got now a record that has basically a million plays on Spotify. Correct? Yeah. Okay. The record has a million plays on Spotify. Fucking crazy, bro. And it didn't even really, in my opinion, you st- it still didn't even start in terms of, like, you just put the video out. In baby terms, in, in label terms, the baby didn't even come out yet. That's what exactly. And And I know that because I've seen it from, from when the record was made, right? So you have this record, but there's been so many downfalls prior to that record. Yeah. Can you walk us through the musical, like, industry shit that you had to go through to get to this point tell me about mannequin first mannequin for those who don't know do you're googling mannequins um, a record with with fab um so i'm just gonna come out and straight say i'm a recovering addict i just came out of rehab for oxycontin and the first record i did was mannequin without fab i um it was like two months home um i actually started playing with a keyboard in rehab so that's really where i kind of started doing the music and I came home, and everybody was talking about this guy, Dundeal, Dundeal, Dundeal on track. He did this song, Stoner for Young Thug. He's working with Rich Gang, this and that. So I look him up, email him. I was like, yo, I want to come to ATL. I have cousins there. I'm going to come stay with them for a couple of days, and I want to do two records with you. And I did Mannequin with Dundeal in a basement, I mean, in a garage studio. It was like one of the weirdest things I've ever seen before. And um, I had Mannequin. I wanted to do Mannequin because I learned that fashion is a big part of my brand. When you're an artist, you're a brand. So, and you taught me that, Shrad. So it's like, when I go to these labels, they would say, like, who's Raja? What is he? What's his story? Recovering addict, kid who's in fashion, music saved his life. Um, He's Indian. So... You need to have a brand to really win nowadays. 
and fashion was a big part of my brand and everyone knew that was I was big in fashion so I said I gotta make a record called Mannequin like like I dress like the mannequin I would always say that and um, I did that in Atlanta and um, I had it I had it and I guess Fabulous heard it at 4040 at some event with Lenny S and my old manager was there um, thank you for everything you did Tree and um he sent me footage of Fabulous, like, bobbing his head to the rock, like, oh, okay, 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 this is dope. And um, he said, this is my artist Raja's song, Mannequin. And uh, he's an Indian kid, blah, blah, blah. And Fab's like, yo, I like the record. Like, yo, send me an open verse, and let me see what I could do with it, and if I vibe with it. So we, we sent him the open verse, and then I would say, like, eight months later, wow, I get a phone call. At like three thirty in the morning, like get up, get up, get up. We 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 go in the studio right now. Push your T, Fab. They all there. I'm like, nah, nah, I'm not going. I'm not going. And um, I hang up the phone. I go back to sleep. Who calls you, your manager? Manager calls me back forty minutes later. Verse is done. Shows up in front of my house. I mean, in front of my apartment building. Oh, the Fab verse was done. Yeah, the Fab verse was done. Oh, so you didn't get to go to the studio? No, no, and I could have. And I, honestly, I thought I kind of thought it was like a dream. Maybe that's why it was like half asleep when I got the phone call. He goes, "Come downstairs right now. It's an emergency." So when he said it was an emergency, I didn't know it was about music. I just came. I went downstairs. Dun dun dun. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. wait. He said, "Don't say nothing." And here yeah, I'm a walker like a boss. I I started going crazy. That fabulous blessed my record because I know how big fabulous is also to the Indian community. I don't know I don't know one Indian kid that doesn't like fabulous. So just having a record. I found one today. Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah, but that's but that's very uncommon. It's very very uncommon. Like, I mean, Fab is something. Someone I grew up. I, the first record I remember I heard about him. I was at No ID night drinking Sprite, and it was, I can't deny it. I said, whoa, <laughs> this is crazy. Like, who is this guy? So I know Fab since back in the day and keeping it gangster and all those other albums and all those other records. So he's blasting the record. I said, yo, we got to go to Starlets right now. We go the to record was mixed and done? Um, yeah, his engineer mixed it, actually, okay. and his vocals. Like a like a mix to go check right, out the right, record right. in the club. Understood. You know, a, pre a premix. Okay. We go... And they're like, nah, Fab ain't on the record. Like, why are you lying? Like, I'm not playing this garbage. That's what the DJ said. I'm not Who was DJing? Um, it was Freedom. Okay. Who, who I just saw at Quad Studios who said, we're all watching you. We're proud of you. Don't give me that. Okay. okay. Wow. Okay. So um, you're putting people on blast on this episode? Absolutely. <laughs> no, I love the kid. Thank you for the support. Yeah, keep buying my single. Keep playing it for free. Thank you. Um. So he's like, I'm not playing this garbage. Like, I already told you, like, I don't like the record of Don't Go Set. He's like, and then my manager goes, no, Fab is on it. Play the record now. So my manager gives him the record, he plays it. All of a sudden, you see all the DJs at the bar. Like, to him, like, wait, that's the record. Roger got mannequin. I'm walking like a boss. And they heard Fab go on it. And I am thankful, like, the record didn't do the numbers I wanted to do. But that's the record that made me mainstream and known in the urban and pop industry, I would say. Okay, so the record did something for you. It started my career, yeah. Okay, and then then right after that, but it didn't go hard like in terms of mix show or oh, no, bands no, no. or digital. There's a lot more work that goes into it. And then and then like for the kids who's listening, so you got Fab on the record, cool. I'm I'm. Don't, don't mean, that don't mean nothing. Right. So we don't have to get into that particular talk, but 
I remember there was like a controversy with Fab not doing the video. Yeah. Can so, you talk about that? So I was um, new to the mainstream world. Right. I was learning as I was going. But I was learning like you should do a contract or you should do a deal where when you get the feature, you get the video with the deal. Like I learned that after, obviously from DJ Sherrod after I sit down, <laughs> um, obviously. No one else was going to teach me the stuff that was black or white because they could care less. So I got it from my Indian brother, all this knowledge. Um, thank you. And, um, you know, I learned that. Um, so I can't be mad at Fabulous for not posting it and all that stuff because it wasn't in contract. But I heard that if you do that beforehand and say it beforehand in contract, that the artists are willing to do it because that happened with Island Gal. Right. The first thing I said to, DJ, to Tori is, bro, can, like this is going to help my family. Can you post it on your Instagram? He did it. He did put me on his IG story. Um, will you do the video? Yes, I'll do it. He did the video. He turned right. down 18 features that were being paid more than me and plus the video and him doing the features. So I learned from my mistakes from that whole mannequin situation. Um, the record did what I had to do, got into a couple of fashion shows, um, definitely broke me more into the fashion world. Um, and It's like, interesting. Like artists, like like certain records are just stepping stone records. If they're if it's like a if it's not like a big ass hit, it might. Just if you're an artist, you and you're if you're an artist out there, and you think you could just pay a big artist to get on your song, and you're gonna break, like that's not happening. I'm gonna tell you right now, it's not gonna happen. Right. And I had the bag behind the record and everything, and it still didn't happen. Like, you need to go on Amazon. You need to order <laughs> five thousand USBs. Sit there for eight hours. Put your name on a label from Staples. Label each USB, put your social media on it, put your instrumental on it, put your mastered wave on it, and put an MP3 on it of the record. And you are going to have to hit up about five to six clubs a night by yourself because no one's going to make you break by your, besides yourself and go see about 10 to 15 DJs a night, which is what I had to do. Even though I was spending money even though I had a record with Fab, who's a prince in New York. He's the, he really is a prince. <laughs> and no one turned down the record. But the question is, are they playing your record when you're not there? It's so, it's so difficult. It's so difficult, right? They are not playing your record if you're not there. Unless you have a record with Drake. Let's just end the story. What if it's just a banging record? They are going to... The DJs did not really get behind me as an artist. Which until, record are we talking now? Um, just as an artist in general. Mannequin, Hangover. They right. played Hangover and stuff. Like That's kind of where like they kind of like, okay, like let's play him as an artist. Like, he, the kid's going to five, six clubs a night by himself <laughs> in like these hoodlum places where, like, kids are carrying, you know, guns, all types of stuff. I'm going in there, like, ripped sweatpants, you know, Jordans, like, by myself, begging the DJ, not asking, begging, please play my record. Do you want a hookah? Do you want a lap dance? Do you want a hundred singles? Yeah. No, From no, you? No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> I was about to say, no. my G, because no, right no, there, we got no, stopped. We got stopped. No, no, no. Pause, pause, pause. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, like, do you want, do what girl you want? I'll get you a lap dance. Do you want something to eat? Do you want a hookah? Like, I had to do, like, 
endless sleepless nights to a point where my sister's like, you're working too hard. Right. I've never heard my sister say that before in my life about me. Never. <laughs> Did you ever work this hard? No. Okay. And my mother sees it. Right. Now that's why I have all the support. Of my, I mean, I have a lot of support now. Okay. I respect it. Um, But 88%, I would say 80% of the time, the first record's not breaking you. 70% of the time, the second record's not breaking you. 50% of the time, the third record's not breaking you. 50% of the time. So this might be not the record that's going to break me, break me, but I got some bangers coming that the labels know that it's time. Okay, I respect it. And so are the labels looking at it now like, okay, so you got this record, Tory Lane's on the record, you got an amazing video. Um, you're still not in mix show rotation on a lot of stations yeah. here in New York. Yeah. Why is that? Because New York is where hip-hop was made. So there's a lot of competition in New York. A lot of kids can spit bars. A lot of kids have big records. A lot of kids go to the clubs and do the whole um, USB, trying to get the DJ to play it. You know, it's a saturated market, It's right? a very saturated... New York and L.A. is the hardest markets to make it. What I've learned is it's the hardest to make it in acting in L.A., and it's easier to make it in L.A. in music than it is in New York, but it's harder to make it in New York in music and easier to make it in acting. Okay. I learned that also. But I feel if I was in a different city, like, let's say, Virginia or <laughs> Delaware... Like, yeah, I would have popped already. But do those markets count? Um, Yeah, T Grizzly came from there. Um, Let's say even say, no, Atlanta is definitely a, definitely a tough tough market. I would say I'm in a tough market. I'm probably probably in the toughest market in Understood. music in, in, in history. So me being Indian is working against me, but really? also for me. C can we pause that for a second? Yeah, so tell us why. Like... But what? Um, when you think hip hop, you don't think an Indian kid. You think first thing you think of is black. Then you're gonna think white because Eminem did that. You don't think Indian. You think Indian. You, if I say I'm Indian, they're gonna say, Are you a finance major? Are you a doctor? Are you a nurse? Are you an IT guy? I mean, it's just the world we live in. Mm. Indians and Asians run the medical field. It's just it is what it is. Right. Black kids and white kids run the hip hop world. Jews run the lawyer and real estate situation. Like that's it's just it is what it is it. You're not changing it. Right. So Trump not changing it. No one changing who that. Who runs the Who runs the traffic cop situation? Hispanics. No, Bengalis. Bengalis. Well, and I would say South <laughs> uh, South South Asians too. South South, South Indian. Bengali specifically. Okay, but like that was just another question I had off off some some other shit. I feel like so the, being Indian is works for me right. with the labels because they see like I'm way more marketable like Bollywood like they. I don't know what they like. There are like the late music people are obsessed with Bollywood. Like they think that like if you get a Bollywood record, you're getting nine million dollars. Like you know why, right? I just think because it's just like the movies make so much money. So I guess they look from that. It's it's, it's mathematics. Numbers, the numbers. Bo Bollywood has one point three billion guaranteed fan base. Yeah, and that, everybody yeah. has a cell phone there. Yeah, that's so the, true. So streams is the minute the minute a record goes out. Videos again, 30, 40, 50, 60 million views like that. Like yeah, artists that are urban South Asian artists from the States mm -hmm. are getting 40, 50 million views on a video. Yeah, the numbers is crazy. If it's directed to the South Asian market. 
I don't know if like executives are like. I mean, they they they're definitely a forward thinking, but I feel like the the fan base and the and the consumer and people are are more forward thinking and progressive now, where they see uh, and, and want to see uh, what different cultures are about. Uh, the first time I went to these labels, they said he's got good. Mu- they said he's got okay music. What do we do with him? Mm. How do we market him? Where are we gonna put him? What is he? R&B, rap, pop. What is he? So I, I don't I don't look at your music as rap at all. No, it's not. I, I would say I'm an R&B pop artist. Okay. So like Island Gal to me is like an Island Caribbean record that has a pop appeal. Uh, pop. It, 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 it's more pop than R&B. Yeah. Hundred percent. But a lot of the rest of the album is is R&B. Understood. When do we get to hear that? I'm a little pissed off right now because <laughs> the label situation I'm about to sign that's about to be really big. Um, first. Why are you pissed off? Because they want to break the whole album. And I had 12 monster records on there. Okay. They said, all right, Raj, so you just play the six records. We're obsessed with the album. We're, the, we're obsessed with the first six. What makes you think that the woman downstairs is going to listen to the 12th song? I said, that's a good point because she don't know me. Or I'm a new artist. They, they made a very good point. So they're going to break the first album into two albums so I already have two albums I have three albums done um, and you're not putting out any content like uh, you're holding it all no no I'm shooting a video next week no but like right now like there's no mixtape stuff there's no like no, it's putting done. a bootleg oh, no, no. out or I, putting a mixtape out October 25th is dropping what's dropping the album Rebirth album is I call it Rebirth because after all the um, depression and the drug addiction everything I went through after my dad passed away I mean it was horrible um, can we talk about that a little bit yeah, I didn't know if it was okay to talk about it. It's your show, bro. It's your platform. So, um, so you, uh, uh, when I first heard your project a while ago, you played me a record about your dad. Dear. Yes, Dear. Have you heard yeah, the record? I haven't heard the record. They, they love that record. So I heard the record, and out of all the records I heard, I was like, I always look for artists that have substance records. Like, the pop records are cool, but like whenever I listen to artists, I'll listen to the records that have substance. To me, that record had a lot of substance, particularly. Well, they, well, a lot of, Exec said what you said. This is a song where someone, if someone lost someone, like your true fan base, will connect with you, Raja. You said that to me on the phone. Like, your true fan, this is for your true fan base. And the true fan base that you still have to build. Right. That I still have to build, that have, you know, gone through losses in their family, mother, father. Um, so tell us about the inspiration for Dear, because Dear is a record that, um, to me, I felt like it was a really good record. And yeah, I got when really it, emotional When is about that it. coming out? It's coming out on the album. October 25th. Yeah, like I'm not, I told them I wasn't signing that deal. That record's not on the album. Okay. Understood. So tell us about the inspiration for that so particular record. That was a letter that I wanted to tell my father. Okay. But it was too late. Can you talk about your dad a little bit? So my dad was immigrant when my mom came from Gujarat, India, which is like six hours from Bombay. Poor as hell, lived in a house made out of like hay and dirt, like <laughs> hey. legit from the okay. slum dogs. And, you know, came to this country, sold hot dogs in Yankee Stadium, worked as an engineer on NBC, you know, was mopping floors, you know, two, three jobs, you know, um, and then saved up a lot of money and then, um, you know, made sure that me and my sisters didn't have any loans for school and college and stuff and made sure that, you know, we were good. Um, you got he got into the you know hospitality business, helping out with family and stuff, and um, he did so much 
not I, maybe not financially, I guess, but like by bringing people over from a different country and all that stuff. And when he passed away, you know, the first thing that someone said the day after the funeral was like, "You have big shoes to fill." Like to you, like that's one of the most horrible things you could say to me. Like my dad, my dad just died. Like, why would you say that? Like I have all these mental issues going around in my head. Like my dad's not here anymore. I'm 23. I'm 22, about to turn 23. Right when a father kind of teaches a, a man, you know, the man he's gonna be for the rest of his life. Lost that. Um, after my dad had a stroke before he passed away, um, I finally got the father-son relationship that I was always begging for, and wanted. Um, but obviously, I know my dad was out there working really hard as a businessman to put food on the table, so I had to respect that. And once he had the stroke, I finally was able to have that father-son relationship that I always wanted. I always, always wanted, really wanted it. And I had it for like three, four years. So right when it's getting even stronger and stronger and stronger, the man is taken from me. I mean, it, 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 it literally put me in the darkest place in my life. It, it, it was very scary. I didn't leave my room. Food was left by my sister, who you guys know, at my door. And I would take the food and then lock the door again. Like, I would, didn't leave my room for, I would say, like a good three, four months. Only if I showered. That's it. Like, I would, they would leave food at the door. It was really, really, really bad. Like, it mentally messed me up. And, um, you know, um, I was around the wrong people. Um, in the neighborhood, and um, some of my friends were uh, drug dealers. I'm not even gonna say, it, but um, you know, oxycontin and painkillers and Xanax was really big in the neighborhood. Um, and they said, you know, you're not gonna be upset. Take this pill. So I take it the first time, throw up all over the place. They don't get high. Second time I take a pill, I'm like, oh my god, like this is like, I'm not upset anymore. Like I'm, I'm Superman. Like what's up? Let's go see a movie. Like I'm. I'm not depressed, Raj, anymore. I'm loving it. Third day, I'm taking a second, third one, fourth one, fifth one, sixth one. The seventh day, I don't take one because I don't have money. And I'm, I, I mean, I, I'm sick to death, throwing up, sweating, shaking. I mean, withdrawing to the fullest. Never knew what this was. But all I knew was that it was this one pill that killed the pain that I was feeling, the depression and all that from my father passing away. And the next thing I know is I'm ingesting 20 to 25 Oxycontin pills a day. It's enough Damn. to put a horse out. They're only $11 each at this time. They're now $65 a pill for one pill. Um, it gets worse. It gets worse. It gets worse. I'm hiding it from my sister. I'm hiding it from my family. But I'm always happy now. Never depressed. They, they see me coming out of my room. They see me going to play basketball. They see me go shopping. Little alone, I'm high all day, every day. The minute I wake up, the first thing I would do was go to get pickup drugs around the block, take the pills in my house, and then I would do everything for the rest of the day. They said, something's, something's weird. Like, why is it like zero to 100 real quick? And my sister was the one who noticed it. And I became really, really, really highly addicted to Oxycontin. Um, and... Um, you know, I had an intervention. Um, I was sent away um, to rehab. Shout out to Karen Rehab, who really helped me a lot. How long ago was this? Um, four years ago. Okay. So you were on it for a minute. 
I was on it for a good three and a half years before I got caught. Okay. That's a long time of hiding. Right. Um, it's it's actually worse than cheating on a wife. It's harder than that. It's the worst thing ever. Yeah, because it's illegal. So every time I'm going to pick up the pill, I got to take the risk of getting arrested. What am I going to say if I get arrested to my mother? You know? So um, I got the help. I went away for a month. I came out. I was four years clean. One of my good friends overdosed and died six weeks ago before I went on tour with Neo's artist, um, which I did a seven. I was on for seven shows. I sold out seven for seven shows. What artist was that? Um, Armand and Trey. Shout out to Armand and Trey. They opened up a lot of doors for me. A lot of my fan base has built from that tour. Um, the day before we go on tour, I went and took an Uber to New Jersey. I picked up three Oxycontin pills. I was really depressed from my losing my friend. It was this was the most depressed I've been since I lost my dad. I ingested the pills, and the next thing I wake up with five FBI agents in front of me with nine pipes in me. Pronounced dead. I was pronounced dead. So they were. The FBI agent says. That man right there was walking over to the nurse to call your mother and whoever this person Poonam is who keeps calling you to tell them that your son has died of overdose of fentanyl. A lot of chaos is going on in front of me. They say, where did you get these pills? I said, I bought them. I bought them from a drug dealer. I knew where I bought them. They're Oxycontin pills, the same things that I was taking before I went away. They drop them in a solution in front of me. They said, look at this. What just happened to you happened to Demi Lovato. So I said, what do you mean? They're like, you know you died, right? And we revived you. So as they told me, as they was going to tell my sister and my mom, they were going to call home off my phone that your son has died, they revived me and I... I started breathing out of nowhere. And they were like, it was a lot of nurses around me. It was crazy. Um, this was in New Jersey? This, no. Um, so I ingested the pills in Jersey. I took an Uber to Jersey. I, snort, I snorted the pills in New Jersey. The Uber driver brought me back to my car in Brooklyn, kept saying my name, kept saying my name, kept saying my name. This is what he told the FBI agents. This is where it gets scary. I'm not breathing. I'm drooling. I see a picture that the Uber driver showed, the FBI agent that showed me. My whole face is completely purple. Purple. Like, 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 like in a morgue. Purple. My eyes are completely black. I'm drooling. And he ran and got five fire department people off the exit of Bay Ridge on the 278. That's where my car was parked. Ran and got them. They had Narcan, so there was, he told me there was a bunch of construction people and the fire department people, they hit me with the Narcan, I wasn't waking him up, they hit me up again, then they called the ambulance, I woke up for a little bit, I guess, like, back and forth, and then I was out, I was like gone for like, like not breathing, like gone, gone for like a good like 10, 15 minutes, they said, and the next thing I wake up in 
the back of an NYU Brooklyn ambulance, literally with like nine pipes in me, like, where the hell am I? What's going on? And they're like, buddy, do you know what you were doing? And I was like, yeah, um, what's up? They're like, uh, you know, you, you know, you, you pretty much just died. You overdosed on fentanyl laced Oxycontin. I said, wait, what? And um, I saw the picture of me after the FBI agent showed me. And ever since that day, ever since I got on that tour, I've been telling the story because I do not want any of these artists to get tied up into that or any of these kids out there taking these pills. You don't know what you're getting. And I got a second chance at life. So I have been back in the studio recording, singing about this, which will be on the second album. And I have given my even more all than I was before I had this overdose with my music because music is really what saved my life in rehab. So if I didn't have music to do or I wasn't going on tour after this overdose, I probably still would have kept getting high. I started doing music because there was a keyboard in the rehab and you only get an hour and a half a day to either go play basketball or work out. I'm like, I'm not working out like that. Like, I'm eating chips. Like, I'm being fat. Like, I don't have to do anything. Like, I'm not working out. Like, there's no girls here. Like, artists, yeah, artists, I, I, artists now, you, got, you can't eat no more. But I'm, like, sitting there with my tits out. Like, I don't give a fuck. My belly's out. Like, my Indian Buddha belly. Like, I'm sitting there. And I'm like, can I just have a pen and a paper? And they're like, yeah. You, and you can, I'm like, can I use a keyboard? They said, yeah. So they had, like, Michael Jackson. You play a beat. It was, like, beat it. And there was a, then you could make your own beats on a keyboard. It was actually really cool. The person who donated that was the Red Hot Chili Peppers drummer's daughter went there. He donated that keyboard to the rehab. And Steven Tyler donated, who also went there. I mean, this is like in public. He went there, donated a bass guitar, which was there too. I was like, let me keep that to the white people. I can't fuck with that shit. Like, that's just, I can't do that. Guitar, uh, guitar is a universal No, but I'm just saying, like, all the kids I know that are white, I'll play it. Play guitar? The, yeah, the bass guitar. Guitar is a great instrument to play, though. Just no. You don't know. Play bass, uh, you oh, play. oh, there's a lot of bass guitar in my in, in my album. Okay. Um, along yeah. with the sitar, which is our bass guitar. Um, kind of. Different instrument. But yeah. yeah, but um, same, same, but different. So that's where so music really came into my life in rehab, and um, like what happened the last four weeks ago, six weeks ago, music. It showed me that I should not be taking advantage because where I'm at now, musically, kids would die to be at. From where I was when I first started, when I knew you. So I could, if I can go through all that heartache and all those ups and downs and all those failures and all that money I threw for these BS showcases and these, you know, people overcharging for mixes and beats and songwriters and and studio time and really taking advantage of me because they knew it. I wasn't, I wasn't, um, I wasn't, um, you didn't have the industry knowledge. Yeah. I I wasn't, I I didn't have the brain, the education I have with music and the industry and the cutthroat of it that I do now. Like I could smell bullshit from a mile away. Um, because so I was like, if I can get through all that without drugs, I'm going to move on with my life and make sure then now that not only will I do music, but every interview I ever do, I will tell that overdose story. 
So the kid that maybe one kid out of a billion, million kids that's listening will not pick up the next pill. i rather help tell my story and use this music as a platform to tell my drug addiction story so I can help these kids because the epidemic for opiates in the United States is out of control. It's the highest it's ever been. It's the highest addictive drug. And if I'm finally getting respect and fans and kids are listening to my music and following me on Instagram and stuff, I don't want to post negative things. I don't want to post things that's going to tell kids to go sniff, you know, oxys and stuff like that. I want to use my stepping stone and my platform for a positive way. Whether I win a Grammy or not, if I can save a kid by saying my story or scare him so he doesn't take the next one so he can live another day, that's a better grant. That's better to me than a Grammy. That's a fact. That's a fact. So so you got you got a couple records out, a lot of big stepping stones. Island Gale is the record you got out now with Tory Lanez. It's an incredible wait, record. Wait, wait, I have to say this though. Yeah. You know how funny it is when you go into a label four years ago and they say, uh, the music's okay. It's got a great look. The following's whack. And then I walk in now and the following's not much bigger, but it's a whole nother ballpark story. Uh, to me, it's not funny. To me, it's just... I think it's funny. To me, it's not. To me, it's progression. To me, it's like... Like, we we sign... You know, we're in a, we're in a different business, but it's just, we're in the entertainment business, and we sign DJs, and we build, we'll be up, we build up... But it's a lot of fakeness. But that's entertainment in general, it's right? But I didn't know that when I was first doing the music. Right. Now and, I'm educated, so I know it, so right. I just and, think it's funny. And the, the reality is, is that if you continually do the same thing going in the studio making relationships meeting producers meeting DJs if you continually do the same thing every day and and practice it's like shooting free throws and constantly shooting free throws if you yeah, if you're, you're right. if you're 0 for 10 the first day you ever pick up a basketball and then the next day you're 0 for 10 and the next day you're 1 for 10 and the next day you go 2 for 10 and you continually you do it you do it for a year and you go in 10 for 10 there's progression in that and labels know know a lot more than we think right so at the end of the day... Yeah, like what you said, like they were watching me a couple of years ago, but they said the progression is crazy. But progression is is, is if you're going to keep at it, and that's the thing, what we like to tell them butter chicken is, look, look, a lot of people count you out, man. 100%. A lot of people count you out. I would say out. nine and a half out of 10. Probably more. Probably 99 out of 100, I, I, which is 9.9 out of 10. Yeah. So if 99 out of 100 people say, yo, this kid is whack, this kid is... Is is a facade. This kid is, you know, his his music gimmick. Oh, gimmick. His get, music's okay. You gotta take that as fuel. You gotta take that as fuel. And that's what I did. So at the end of the day, you know, people have told me, "Yo, that that kid Roger, whose record that's your guy." I said, "I know Roger, and he's a good kid, and I I know him beyond music, so it's a little bit different for me." But no matter what anyone can say about who you are as a person talk about your ADHD, you can talk about your drug shit, you can talk about any whack record that you've put out or a mediocre record you, you, you've put out. There's one fact in that whole thing that's that remains consistent is that Island Gale is a really good record. And Island Gale is a really playable record. Yeah. So 
if you're not and it was it was a good record without Tory Lanez on it to begin with you and did I told say you that. that you did say and that I told you that so at the end of the day no matter what if you're gonna put the work in then it's gonna rise it might rise slower but it'll get there patience is key in this industry patience and waiting is two different things though right well, you can't wait around for nobody. You got to get in the studio. Mm-hmm. But patience is like, oh, you got the album done? You sent it to DJs. Let them vibe with it. That's <laughs> when that then then you wait. But that's normal waiting. Yes, I'm saying people don't wait around waiting for the phone to ring. That's a negative. No, like yeah. like don't think that you're gonna spend five grand and put it on the top of World Star and <laughs> and Atlantic Records is calling you tomorrow. No, because no. the night that I put my rec- the the day that I put my rec my video on World Star. I had I had gone to seven clubs with the with an African American woman who was a lot of people were telling, Don't mess with him, he's Indian, you can't break him. What you gonna do with what you gonna do with him? What you gonna do with him? And now she's got labels calling her with, with seven with, with six digits. Right. Respectable. So no matter what moral of the story is, you could keep counting someone out. You could keep you could keep telling them, yo, this shit's not gonna knock, this shit's not gonna go. Right now in the space that we're in, it's 2018. Roger gave us his third record that I have. Maybe probably you got a lot more, but three that are out. Correct? No, she, yeah, she's sending you the, she's sending you the album now. Three I have singles. the album. Um, you got a million plays on Spotify. Let's yeah. talk a little bit of numbers. Yeah, and, and and to some that might not mean nothing, right? Like a Drake or a a a, 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 a artist that's that's major. I couldn't get one download. <laughs> a, I would say like a, a year and a half ago. Now, okay. even if I paid for it, I couldn't get it. <laughs> No, okay. it was that sad. So you got you got a million plays on Spotify. Uh, you got how many views you got on the video right now? I think on YouTube. And we just got someone to start working. I think it's like fifty thousand. Good, fifty so thousand just it, started. It slowly, it takes slow time. grind, no pays. One point six on World Star in eighteen hours. Yeah, World Star's fun. We'll talk a little about funky. That yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But I know, but fifty thousand on YouTube is a, is a respectable number for being independent for being just started. But let me flex a little bit though. <laughs> flex all you want, bro. This is your you platform. Flex with the one point six a little bit. Though. Yeah, I, I know, but I'm 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 not here to sugarcoat shit, bro. I know you don't. I'm here to talk truth, right? So some of it's real though. It could all be real. The numbers could be real, but like, the, if the numbers on one point six on, on World Star, that's great. But that's. But they got to go to your YouTube page. That's an easy that's, task, right? Yeah. So at the end of the day, we I support it. We salute it. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. The song is great. Facts. Um, we wish we wish that you come out with more music. Um, I have the record, Dear. Do you mind if we play it on the show or is it, are we not allowed yeah, to yeah, play absolutely. it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can play it. Maybe we'll edit it in. Listeners, we might edit it in. We might not. We can't play it right now, but we might edit it in. Um, we wish you all the best, Roger. Thank you, and and listen from the bottom of my heart. Like when nobody was rocking with me, and nobody believed in me. Talak was rocking with you. Yeah, he was. He still is. He still <laughs> okay, is. He's a character. So I was on the phone with him before. With but he's a good kid. I was <laughs> on the phone with him before. He just got married too. I know. We heard. He, I wasn't invited. He, to don't, don't do it. I don't know why you're doing it. Don't, <laughs> don't do it, bro. Run now, like run. Go now. <laughs> I buy a business class ticket. Bounce, bro. Go wait, to India. Wait, are Get you lost. not condoning marriage? Are you not co-signing marriage? I mean, I got a good girl. I mean, my wife. My wife's Italian, so if, you know, if I do some crazy, I'll be in the water. So but you're good. I mean, I have to be good, but 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 the DMs be getting lit. But that's she knows that's not on me. She's seen the DM and she was like, so you "Why is this just give her access to your? Thing why is this girl saying she wants to eat your groceries? Like what? <laughs> <laughs> like, All right, let's not go there. We've had a no, nice but, conversation. Yeah, but 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 the thing is, all I gotta say is. When nobody was there to support me, I'm talking nobody, 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 no DJs, nobody. 
DJ Sherrod, DJ Juicy, these are genuine kids who are about the music. Your music might suck to them, your music might be good to them, but the one thing you're going to get from them is either an honest check or an honest X. And you got to take that with a grain of salt. Some records he liked, some records he didn't, but the one thing I'll always say is I'll never forget DJ Sherrod and DJ Juicy and Butter Chicken <laughs> supporting me <laughs> since day one because the people that ride with you from the beginning are the people that are going to ride with you even if the wheels fall off, even when you lit. So give a big shout-out, and everyone definitely needs to applaud. DJ USA, DJ Sherrod, these are like older brothers to me. They have done so much for the indie community, more than they have to, more than they need to, and they don't get enough credit. They got a podcast that's lit. They got big artists coming up here, and... They are making so many doors open for South Asian artists, DJs, and stuff. So give the credit where it's due. And if you got a record, send it to them. They're going to give you your honest opinion. So I had to say that. I just want to say I'm very thankful for everything that you guys have done and all the advice you have given me. And and we still hold the title for the hottest SOB performance in we'll just, history. We'll, just keep, we'll definitely keep it to the music, right? And the music is where it's at. So... Again, we thank you for coming through. Appreciate thank you for you, that man. support, that love. that love. Thank you. Uh, keep sending us the records uh, as you get more shit. We'll keep we'll keep giving you the feedback. Uh, Roger, where can they find you? You can find me on all my Instagram at Raja for Life. R A J A F O R, and Life with two E's. Raja featuring Tory Lanez, Island Gal, out now on all media outlets. Apple Music, Spotify, everything. Make sure you go check out the video on my YouTube channel. I'm dropping another video next week called for my new single, Let's Get To It, which is a follow-up. And I'm excited for you guys to hear this first body of music that I'm going to put out. It's going to be crazy. I'm excited too, man. Me too, man. This is the Butter Chicken Podcast. This is your boy, DJ Sherrod. And DJ Juicy. Juicy. What's up, babe? Had a great... <laughs> what you call me? What's up, babe? <laughs> what? That's crazy. Okay, so... That's a, that Italian shit. He's yeah, talking about Italians throwing the river. That's some Bobby. That's some Bobby Gallucci. Hey, shit. How you doing, babe? Talk to <laughs> okay. me. What do you got to say? Uh, what <laughs> I, yeah, they do talk like that. Actually, what I gotta say is that listen, um, we had a good episode today, man. It's been a good day. Absolutely, got man. To hear, got to hear some some information from an artist that's that's been through his trials and tribulations. Absolutely, man. And I think what one thing that people should always remember and. And take away, like, you got to really embrace the journey and, and reflect and understand the progression, as we said, right? A hundred percent, man. And it's not always about the destination. This is Butter Chicken Podcast, man. We tell the stories of people making impact in culture and society. That's it, man. Butter Chicken Boys. All right. We see you next week. Follow us on Butter Chicken Podcast on Instagram. Butter Chicken Podcast at Gmail if you want to get at us, get with our team. Uh, before we end, I want to shout out the team behind Butter Chicken. Um, there's a lot of times that, you know, uh, people think it's just me and Juice, but we got an entire team. Uh, shout out to Premium Pete, put us in the game, uh, kind of schooled us on, on how we do it. The Podfather. Uh, Erica, she is currently producing the show. She's doing a lot of shit for us behind the scenes. She stays late nights. She does a lot of shit, um, that people don't want to do. Uh, she does it with full intention and, and she does a really, really good job. On the cameras, my man, Gino Carpio, at Instagram, Gino Carpio NYC. Uh, get with him if you want that video work. He's fantastic. 
uh, my man Jay Varma, Thirsty Jay, <laughs> Hungry Jay. He's out here. He's doing his thing. We got an entire team. We're at Engine Room Studios. We at Cook by Rogers Studios, Chutney Compound in Jersey. We had another studio that we're about to start working out in Queens. So we're out here. We're working. If you want to get uh, someone you know who you believe is is making moves in culture and society, just hit us at Butter Chicken Podcast. You could DM. Someone will get back to you. You could email. Whatever you want. But we want to tell your story. We want to tell the stories of people making impact in culture and society. So thank you very, very much. This is DJ Sherrod at DJ Sherrod. At, Juicy, where can they find you, sir? At, at DJ Juicy on Instagram. And uh, I also want to shout out our video producer, Karen. Oh, yeah, I forgot about <laughs> and Karen. And our audio producer, Avi. Big oh, up to you know what? Boys. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're not here, so I forgot about them. That's right. oh, usually what happens. <laughs> it's all good. But man. I love them with all my heart. No good doubt. night. God bless. we we'll see you soon. Avi, Karen, we love you. We'll see you in the studio. Peace. Peace. <laughs> Thank you.